Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Today, I want to begin in John chapter 13, and, and in between services, um, Pastor Daniel, the executive pastor, came back and said, did you forget a title? And I said, I didn't forget. I just didn't know what to title it. So we came up with two, okay? First one is your best life, right? And the second one is the good life. So we're going to talk to you about living the good life. We're going to start in John chapter 13, right? Now, before the feast of the Passover, this is verse 1, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved those who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The supper being ended, the devil having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's sons, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from the supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel, girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, washing feet was considered a lowly servant's position. It was not something that you would expect someone who was a leader to do. Now, verse 14 says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. And I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master. Now, how many know Jesus is the master? We're the servants. Nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, Jesus said, like I have been sent, I send you. He's saying, I'm the sender. You're the one who's being sent. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them, right? So what Jesus is telling us is that we need to be servants, that we need to serve. And he's telling us that there is a blessing that comes when you serve. I remember when I became pastor here 40 years ago. Uh, there was a, a, a elderly couple in the church. <laughs> kind of funny to hear me say that. They were probably younger than I am. <laughs> and and, and this, is, this is the truth. that They would call every week. I mean, every week. She would be on the phone. You know, come pray for me. You know, I, I, I'm sick. Come pray for me. I need, you need to talk to my husband. Um, come, come give us communion. Come do this. So I would go and Pastor Ted would go. Does anybody here remember Pastor Ted? Oh, yeah. All right. His, his grandkids are, are still around. All right. Uh, but, but Pastor Ted, he's, he's in heaven now. Right? But in, this is interesting. In 1929, right, Pastor Ted and his family crossed all of Canada in a covered wagon with oxen. And his sister was born in an Indian chief's teepee. 
1929. So we had Pastor Ted around, all right? And uh, Pastor Ted was my, my, he's like my helper, all right? And so Pastor Ted would go and I would go. And I remember, it was every week, every week, every week, every week. And I remember sitting down with her and, and, and saying, now, now look, I said, you, you need to get your, your focus off yourself because it's all about you. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you. I want you to do this for this particular person, all right? That was the last time she called. Except to say, I went and I prayed and God did this and we're doing that. We're doing this. Oh my goodness, look what's happening. And I'm getting so blessed. Do you know when you, when you do something for others, that's when you get blessed. The Bible says God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends, when he got his focus off from himself. Have you ever stopped to consider what was Jesus' final lesson to his disciples? This is moments before he's going to be betrayed. And he has time to teach them one last lesson, right? So what does he do? He imparts the lesson of servanthood. He washed their feet. He served others. And let me just say, he said, I, the master, did this. He said, and now that you know, he said, you need to do the same thing, right? We need to serve. He laid aside, I love this, he laid aside his garments, now, you know that he's a rabbi, and he is a rabbi's robe on, right? And it's not just a rabbi's robe, right? It's in one piece, right? This was extremely expensive, right? And he takes a, this rabbi's robe, and he puts it aside. His position, his title, and really, when you look at the cost, he puts aside his wealth, right? He puts everything aside and he begins to serve, right? So when he took that aside, he had a, a regular undergarment just like everybody else. You know, when a CEO serves in the nursery, they're doing exactly what Jesus did, right? They're taking aside their position, their title. You know, in some people, it's their education that they think, you know, makes them superior to others. We put aside all of it in order to serve. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or proud, but associate with the, the lowly, right? Never be wise in your own sight or in your own mind, right? Jesus said, you know, I'm putting everything aside and I'm here and I am going to serve. Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords is washing people's feet. And he says, I'm showing you this as an example that you should do like I do. Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In the world, people think you're great if people serve you. But in the kingdom, greatness has to do with you serving others. It's not how many people serve you. It's who do you serve that makes you great, right? And that's why, really, sometimes the kingdom of God is called the upside-down kingdom. Because everything in the kingdom of God is just the opposite of what it is in the world. Right? Now, somebody says, well, what should I do? Something. Right? What if I'm doing the wrong thing? I give you permission. <laughs> it really is not important what you do. Because if you start serving, you start doing something, God will get you exactly where you need to be. Right? But just like a bicycle, you can't steer it unless it's moving. 
God can't steer you unless you're moving. And, and honestly, what you do in the beginning, you're just getting trained anyway. All right? I'm telling you right now, I never dreamed I would be right here right now. When I got in ministry, I cut the grass, I cleaned the bathrooms, I swept the floors, I opened the door. And the last thing I ever thought I would ever do would be sitting in front of people. Right? What you do starting out doesn't matter. God's just getting you where he wants you. He's just getting you trained. Just do something. Right? So many people are concerned. Well, I'm not sure what I should do. Do something. Just do something. Matthew 22. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, as a church, our mission statement is this. Win souls, make disciples. Very simple. If, we don't, if it's not winning souls and making disciples, we aren't doing it. But as an individual person, right, every one of us should have the exact same mission statement for our life. Love God, love people. Love God. That's what Jesus said, right? The greatest commandment is love God. The second commandment is love people. Love people, right? And when you, when you love God, you serve God, right? And when you love people, you serve people. In fact, when you serve people, what Jesus is saying is you, you're to show God's love to people, right? Now, in, in, in our society today, people talk a lot about volunteering, all right. Now, I just want to say no place in the New Testament does it talk about volunteering. In fact, volunteering is a secular word to replace a spiritual value. Right? Jesus used words like serve, good works. Right? You see, your career is what you do for money, but your calling is what you were created to do. We'll say that again. Your career is what you do for money, but your calling is what you were created to do. So I want you to listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Now that you get saved, right? Now it's going to talk about why you get saved. That we may do those good works which God predestined, which simply means planned beforehand, right? So God has planned beforehand good works for you to do. Right? And he saved you that we may, that we may do good works. Right? He planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Listen, living the good life. Right? Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, listen, our society tells us that the good life is when you seek pleasure. Right? And you're going to find purpose and meaning in pleasure. Right? That is not what Jesus said. Right? He said the good life is going to be when you are doing the things that God created you to do. Right? When you're serving. Jesus said, he who loses his life for my sake, you will find it. One translation says it this way. He says, you lose your low life and you come to the high life. Right? The high life is when you're doing what you were created to do. Right? Now, 
in, in, in our culture today, most people believe that Christianity is about what you believe, right? And, and, it, and that's partially true. What you believe is important, but what you do with what you believe is equally important, right? So I can believe that Jesus came, he's the son of God, he died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again, and he's coming again. I can believe all those things and be hooked on cocaine, pornography, and everything else you can think of, right? And it doesn't change the way that I live, right? Biblical believing, right, is where you believe something and it changes how you live. If it does not affect how you live. But John Wesley, who, who really started the Wesley denomination, the Methodist denomination, he called it mental assent. He said, people recognize something is true, but it doesn't change how they live. And that's not New Testament believing. If it's New Testament believing, yeah, you, you, you recognize it is the truth, but it changes how you live. It changes what you do. All right. In Revelation 22, this is what Jesus said. He said, behold, I am coming quickly. King James says, and my reward is with me. All right. Message Bible. I like it the best. Right. It says in my paycheck is in my hand to give to everyone according to what he has done. You don't get according to what you believe or have mental assent, but you get rewarded for what you have done. Right. He has prepared good works for you to do. And he's prepared paths ahead of time for us to walk in. Right. So. Seeking pleasure is not going to give you purpose and it's not going to give you meaning, right? But relationship with God and serving will give you meaning and give you purpose. Now, I, I have spoken in, in I don't know how many churches through the years, but I know it's hundreds, all right? I have never been in a church where the, the pastor or the leader said to me, man, we just have so many people serving here that we don't know what to do. You know what every place says? Man, if we just had more people serving, we could do more. We could reach more. We could, we, could, we could do a better job of serving people and bringing the gospel and ministering the kingdom if we just had more people serving, right? Again, volunteer is really a secular word with secular values and a secular disposition. And again, it's not used in the New Testament, right? But it's a great place to start. Start volunteering, all right? But it should be a journey to servanthood, right? Where we serve God, where we love others, where we're serving others, laboring in the kingdom, showing God's love. Remember, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. We're living in a culture today with one of the big buzzwords that's out there, right? Is social justice, social justice. Right? Listen, social justice without spiritual justice is an injustice. Social justice without spiritual justice is an injustice. If you fill somebody's belly, but you leave their soul and their spirit empty, you took care of a temporal need, but there was an eternal need that did not get met. Right? 
So Jesus said, let people see your good works so that they don't go, oh, you're great, but they glorify your father who is in heaven, right? What is done needs to be done because we love God. It needs to be done in the name of the Lord. Jesus said this, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. In the world, people look at how many people serve you, right? That makes you great. But in the kingdom, it's how many people do you serve? How much are you serving? That's what makes you great, right? Uh, we have a president. Many countries have a, a prime minister. And it, it's literally the first minister or the first servant. That's what it's supposed to be, the first servant. But Jesus said this in Luke 22. He said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But it shall not be so among you. On the contrary, he who is the greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as the one who serves. As the one who serves. Jesus is saying, what makes you great is not somebody serving you. It's when you serve, when you lay down your life, right? That's what makes you great, right? Again, in John 13, if I then, Jesus said, the Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, he's not talking about just getting your shoes off and getting some water. He's talking about serving other people, right? For I have given you an example that you should do if I have done. Jesus said, I've served and I'm doing it as an example for you so you know that you should serve. Right? Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Jesus is the, sir, is the master, we're the servants. Nor is he who sent greater than the one who sent him. Jesus has sent us. He was a servant. He's saying, you're not greater than me. You should serve. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus is telling every one of us there is a blessing when we serve. And he served and we should serve, right? The, really, we'll look at Romans 1, verse 1, is what Paul said. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Peter said the same thing. He said, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, they talk about being a servant, and then they talk about their position. Because what's most important is not your position. What's most important is your attitude and that you're a servant. And notice it says a bondservant. In, in Old Testament, even in, in first century times, if you were unable to pay your bills, you would become a servant. Right? Uh, if you were Jewish, you could serve up to seven years. But at the seventh year, you were set free. Right? But this is what it tells us back in the Pentateuch. It says, if you're serving and you said, I, I, love my, I, I love what I do. I love my master. I want to stay here. They would take you outside and they would take you up to the, the doorpost and they would put a nail through the lobe of your ear. And by doing that, you were saying, I want to be here. I don't have to be here. I want to be here. I love my master, I love what I do, and I want to be here. 
And once they put that through the, the, the lobe of your ear, you were a bond servant. You weren't a servant because you had to be. You were a servant because you wanted to be. All right? And that's what Paul said he was. He said, I'm a bond servant. That's what Peter said he was. I'm a bond servant. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I want to do this. I want to lay down my life for my master. All right? So when you're a servant, you lose the right to be selfish. Right? You have to think of others and not of yourself. When you're a servant, you put aside your personal agenda. Right? And what you're doing is you do what's good for the kingdom of God. Right? Uh, it's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. Right? Volunteers can create an atmosphere that has problems, that has attitudes. Right? And I've seen this. Right? Volunteers, man, you're lucky I'm here. And if you don't treat me right, I'm out of here. You better appreciate me. And you better appreciate me big time. Right? You know what? Servants don't have that attitude. Servants are not serving to be recognized, right? Servants are serving because they recognize what he has done, right? And they want to serve out of love and out of gratitude, right? Paul said this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For a necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. For if I do it willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will or with a bad attitude, I've just been entrusted with the stewardship. So here's what, here's what he's saying. He's saying why I do something and how I do something is more important than what I do, right? Volunteers look at the what, right? But servants, it's the why and it's the how. We do it with gratitude. We do it with a grateful heart. Right? Not because I'm going to be recognized. Right? Uh, for many years, I, I would go down to Mel Trotter and uh, minister there on a regular basis. Since, since COVID, they've been unable to get us back in their rotation. You know, I would go down there just because I wanted to go someplace and serve where I could put everything aside and just go, hey, I'm just here to do whatever you guys need me to do. Just tell me how I can help. Tell me how I can build. Tell me how I can serve. You know, that's the attitude that each and every one of us should have, right? When, you, when we come to church, listen, it's not about you. The kingdom of God is not about you. Somebody, well, it's too loud, pastor. Somebody else, it's too soft. I'm telling you not. In the same week, somebody says, it's too hot. Somebody else says, it's too cold, all right? And, and somebody else says, well, I don't like how you dress. And by the way, somebody told me I should shave all my hair off, you know? Somebody else said, well, I want more traditional music. And somebody else said, well, I want more contemporary music. Look, it's not about you and it's not about me. All right? It's about the king. It's about serving. All right? It's about loving God. It's about worshiping him. It's about creating an atmosphere where the spirit of God can move and touch people's hearts and people's lives. Right? Uh, after the last service, I was in the back and somebody came up who I hadn't seen in a while. And they said, hey, this is my, this is my, my daughter and this is his, her, 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 her husband. And they were here this morning and they got saved. And I said, wow, that's awesome. Talk to them. And he said, oh, yeah. By the way, the last time I was here, he said, my other daughter and her husband got saved. You know why? It's because you create an atmosphere where the spirit of God is able to move and touch people's hearts and touch people's lives. 
right? Um, volunteers can feel entitled, right? But when you're a servant, you're not entitled. You say, I'm here to serve. I'm here to build. I'm here to sacrifice. I'm here to lay down my life. Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And he says, I am your example, all right? Volunteering is an action, but serving is an attitude of the heart, right? The volunteer can say, well, I did this and I've been doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing the next thing. But a servant is sacrificing for others, right? Volunteering is an outward action that can be seen, right? But serving is an attitude of your heart, right? I'm here because I love God. I'm here because I love people. And again, that's what Paul said, right? I want to go back to Romans 12, 16. It says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Don't be proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Now, when it talks to the wealthy over in uh, first Timothy chapter six, and, and by the way, everybody here is wealthy. You say, I'm on welfare. You're wealthy. Right? You're in the top 10% of wage earners in the world. Right? $46,000 household income puts you in the top 5% of income earners in the world. You're wealthy. Right? Now, and he says, don't be proud. He says, don't be haughty because of what you have. Right? I was reading this week, and uh, back in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, it says on the, that, that they had to bring a, a ransom or a redemption offering. And this is what it said. The rich, everybody gives a half a shekel. It says the rich cannot give more and the poor cannot give less. And do you know why? Because the soul of the rich is no more valuable than the soul of the poor. Everybody has equal value. I'll say that again. Everybody has equal value. Jesus said, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world, but you lost your soul? Your soul is worth more than this whole world. You see, because you are going to live someplace forever and ever and ever. After the stars fall from the sky like ripe autumn leaves, you are going to live on for trillions and trillions of years, forever. But this earth, as we know it, it's going to pass away. This earth is temporary. But you're immortal. So you're worth more than this whole world. And just uh, this morning, I was thinking about the ark, Noah's ark, by the way. There's one door, right? The snail had to crawl through that door. The bird had to come down and get through that door. The elephant had to go through the same door. Everybody that entered that ark went through the door. You know what Jesus said? He said, I am the door. Everybody, rich, poor, high and mighty or lowly, doesn't matter. Everybody comes into the kingdom of God through Jesus. One way, one way, one value for every man, every woman. All right. Volunteers tend to focus on what they give, their time and their energy. But servants focus on what Jesus gave and servants serve out of gratitude for what he has done right? When we focus on what he gave, we become servants. 
But volunteers, they focus on what they give instead of on what Jesus gave. In Philippians, it tells us to be of the same mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. We're to have the same mind that Jesus had. And he came as a bondservant, not because he had to, but because of love, he wanted to. That's the attitude that we're supposed to have. It says, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Volunteers often keep score, but servants make sacrifices. Here's how I like to say this. Servants do inconvenient things at inconvenient times. All right? Servants do inconvenient things at inconvenient times. Volunteers show up when there's nothing else to do. If, it's a, if it is a beautiful day in June, volunteers don't show up. They go golfing. They go to the lake. They go fishing. They, do, they go ride their bike. All right? But servants show up. All right? Because servants do inconvenient things at inconvenient times. All right? Servants will sacrifice. Servants take up their cross daily. And follow. They do inconvenient things at inconvenient times. All right. They do what's behind the scenes. They do it without recognition because it's out of a heart of gratitude. And just like Moses, it says that he did all that he did because he looked to his reward. He said he forsook all of the pleasures and wealth of Egypt because he looked to his reward. Remember, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to what he has done. Not according to what you believe, but according to what you have done. Right? And he's prepared good works for you and I to do ahead of time. Servants are doing inconvenient things at inconvenient times. Because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. So as I was preparing this this week, I wrote down Isaiah 14. And by this is, this is the devil. Listen to what he says. I will ascend into heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the far of the sides of the north. And I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. And I will be like the most high. All right. Two verses. He goes, I, I, my, my, I, I, I. Right? Doesn't sound like anybody you know. I know that. Okay. <laughs> Right? I would just say volunteers are very sign-tensitive, but servants are need-sensitive. So Jesus tells this story. A lawyer comes to Jesus, and let me close this, and says, uh, who's my neighbor? Because Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus said, there's a certain man, he's going from, Jericho, from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he falls among thieves. They beat him up. They leave him half dead. They take everything he has. And by chance, along comes a priest and he, he sees him, but he goes by on the other side. He does not want to be inconvenienced. And then along comes a Levite. He likewise sees that poor man. And he's like, man, maybe them robbers are still around. Takes off. But then along comes a Samaritan and he sees that man 
and he has compassion on him. He gets down off his animal. He goes over. He cares for the man. The Bible says he pours oil and wine in his wounds. He bandages him up. He puts on his own animal, and he takes him into town. He puts him in a hotel. He takes care of him. The next morning, he gets up, and he says to the innkeeper, here's two denarius. Um, it's a, a denarius is a, if you work 12 hours, you get one denarius. So two days wages, whatever that is. Gives them to the innkeeper and said, hey, take care of them. And if you spend anything more than that, he said, when I come back through, I'll repay you. And Jesus said to the lawyer, he said, uh, who was a neighbor to the man? And uh, it's interesting, the Jewish man wouldn't even say the Samaritan because they had such prejudice against the Samaritans. He just said, well, the one who showed compassion. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. The Samaritan was willing to be inconvenienced. The Samaritan was willing to give of himself, give of his finances, give of his time, give of his energy. He was willing to give everything, right? Servants do inconvenient things at inconvenient times. But Jesus he said, I'm coming back, and it's not going to be just about what you believe. In fact, I'm going to give you a little preview of what's coming up in a few weeks. Every person that's here and every person for all, all time is going to stand before God on Judgment Day. It's Revelation chapter 20, by the way. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. And we do not know the wording that's going to be used on Judgment Day. But we do know what you're going to be asked, right? And every person is going to be asked two things. The first thing is this. What did you do with Jesus? Did you receive him or did you reject him? Question number one. Question number two on Judgment Day. What did you do for Jesus? What did you do for Jesus? See, it's not just about what you believe, but it's about what you do. And that's why Jesus said, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to what he has done. Listen, your good works do not get you into heaven. Receiving Jesus gets you into heaven. Right? But receiving Jesus did not get you rewarded in heaven. What gets you rewarded is what you have done. You may look this up, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. And it's, it's the judgment seat of Christ. It's where you are going to be rewarded. And it says that your works are like wood, hay, or stubble, because the Holy Spirit is going to put his fire to them. Wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, or precious stones. And for everything that goes through the fire of your works, you will receive a reward. Right? But then this is what it says that scares the ebgbs out of me. Listen, this is what it says. It says, for some, all of their works will burn up. And they will get zero rewards. Zero. But it says they themselves will be saved as through the fire. See, you can get to heaven and get there without a reward. Or you can get there where when you're going through the pearly gates, you're dancing. 
I don't know about you, but I do not want to make it by the skin of my teeth. All right? I don't want to make it by the skin of my teeth. Right? I, I am looking, as Paul said, an abundant entry. An abundant entry. Again, he's coming quickly. His paycheck's with him to give to everyone according to what they have done. Your works do not save you. Jesus saves you. But you're rewarded for what you do in the kingdom of God. That's why Moses, he forsook everything that Egypt had, position, wealth, pleasure, because the Bible says he looked to his reward, right? And as Christians, we need to look past this life and we need to look to our reward because he's coming and his reward is with him. All right. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? In a group of this size, there are literally people in every spiritual condition. There's people that you've lived for God for decades. There's some that you once lived for God, you've drifted away. And there's others you do not even know where you stand with God. So if, if at one point you lived for God, but you've drifted away, we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And I'm inviting you to pray this prayer from your heart and come back to God with all your heart, with all your soul, to give him all of your life, holding nothing back. But what I know is this, that I've talked to people and I said, are you a Christian? And this is, this is their response. I'm trying to be. I hope I am. And I say, do, do, do you know you're on your way to heaven? Well, when I die, I'll find out if I make it to heaven. The Bible says this in 1 John. It says, we've written these things that you may know that you have everlasting life. You see, we are not supposed to live and die and find out when we die if we're right with God. The Bible says that we need to know. We're forgiven. We're right with God. We're on our way to heaven. So Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever, that's you, will call on the name of the Lord, we're going to do that the way the Bible shows us to. And then this is the promise, will be saved. So literally, if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. 50 years ago, on a Sunday night, in a group of about 30 people, I prayed a prayer, the same prayer that we're going to pray in just a moment. Right? And my life has never been the same. That prayer is working yet today. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, right, what we're, we're, we're going to do this morning is going to change your life, but it's going to change your eternity. So I'm going to ask everybody, as your heads bowed, as your eyes are closed, I want you to repeat this prayer out loud, right? But from your heart, would you repeat after me and just say, Oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. And I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again, victorious over death, over sin, and over the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm not living for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus. 
I receive him as my king, my Lord, and my savior. I am his. And I thank you, you've heard my prayer. My past is gone. That I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.